Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show this Monday, November 16th, 2020. And the Joe and Joe Weather Show brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware, 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York, where you will find everything, and I mean everything you need uh, to get you through this winter, uh, including uh, not just rock salt and their Long Island's largest rock salt provider, but mag, ice melting pellets and flakes, Petalo premium snow and ice melter, biomelt, geomelt, spreaders, shovels, snow blowers, and everything you need for when those winter storms arrive. And they will arrive at some point, make no mistake. 1226 North Wellwood Avenue, West Babylon, New York, 631-756-1125, or go to the website, omnitruevalue.com. And uh, before the winter storms arrive, we had to uh, get through, get rid of all that severe weather from yesterday. I have to tell you, uh, that um, that was quite a roll of thunderstorms that moved on through. That line was so impressive last night. I think it was the best-looking squall line that we saw all uh, any time in the last five five months. Indeed. Absolutely. Um, and uh, the funny thing is, is that initially it started off as just an area of general thunderstorms. Then they went to marginal uh, risk for severe weather. Then they put us in the slight risk for severe. Which Even we predicted, though, by the way, we predicted that on the, you predicted that on the, uh, the the Sunday morning show. And right. of course, just as soon as we went off the air, they, they I got a message from Timothy Veltman said they just upgraded it to slight risk. I said, of course they did. They watched the, they watched the show. And and the thing is, they kept mentioning about how the lack of any significant cape, only 200 at most. And even though that there was a, a strong amount of forcing, they really didn't think that they would lead to any kind of tornadic. What? Excuse me? Tornado warning? Oh my goodness! And right near so my house, we right ran. Near. We ran the gamut from nothing to maybe a rumble or two of thunder to maybe some possible, you know, severe weather to, to, to all-out tornado warnings. It's a place. Yeah, I, I, um, I don't think anything was confirmed, but I did see reports from friends of mine in the neighborhood of gazebos that that uh, disappeared and a few other things that weren't there that were there before the storms arrived but that was just i was i was actually uh, i was quite impressed by by the uh, by the squall line and uh, not one but two severe thunderstorm watches that we got out of it too so it was it was amazing. It, was, it was amazing and uh, now of course uh, we go into hibernation weather wise because there really doesn't seem too much happening across uh, uh, the eastern part of the United States, anyway, for the rest of this week, other than some temperature changes. But we do have, and this is uh, also impressive, is uh, Category 5 Hurricane Iota, or Yoda, as you uh, pointed out yesterday. And I got a Central America satellite loop here uh, from the GOES. And that eye is, that buzzsaw is is going to make landfall tonight. Almost at near the same spot that Ada made landfall as a Category 4 uh, just two weeks ago. And keep in mind, check out the calendar, Joe. It's mid-November. I don't remember a Category 5 storm in the Atlantic Basin in November. This may be a first. I, I may be wrong, but I... I, I uh, hmm. 
I'm wondering when was Mitch in October? I think Mitch was an October story. I think. Well, if you're going to have a Category Five this time of year, you're going to have it in the Southwest Caribbean. Uh, th that is probably one of the few places left where water temperatures are warm enough. Maybe even in the Northwest Caribbean under the right conditions. But uh, this is. I, I find it astounding that we've had the two strongest storms of the sea, pretty much the two strongest st storms of this hurricane season seem to have come uh, in the month of November, particularly with this one, uh, with the Category 5. I know a lot of the, 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 the storm chasers and, and the hurricane hunters were, I'm sorry, the storm chasers and, and, and the hurricane lovers, the folks that are, you know, really go crazy over this stuff, were um, lamenting over the fact that during the regular season, and I, I'm not trying, you know, I understand, believe me, when Louisiana got hit with, with, with uh, was it five storms this year, uh, making landfall, uh, I'm just pointing out that there are people that, you know, weather folks that get into this sort of stuff. And so they were talking about how there was an absolute lack of, um, uh, of uh, major hurricanes with, with all the activity we had with all the named storms. And here we are in November, uh, that uh, we're dealing with this. I mean, it is just crazy. It is. It is crazy. And um, I'm, I'm, as you're speaking, I'm, I'm looking up uh, on Google, at least, uh, looking up Hurricane Well, Mike Leona, my former producer and very good friend, I heart him so, uh, he says it's not the first Category 5, if I'm reading, if, if, if that's the context of his, uh, of what he just posted, what he posted on the chat board. And... I'm just double checking to see if there's a follow up on that. Now, Mitch, Mitch formed on October 22nd. It dissipated on November the 9th. It was extra tropical after November the 5th. It had a high, highest winds was 180 miles per hour. So the question is, did that 180 occur before, before Halloween or right after Halloween as we just moved into the uh, new month of November? Um, well, we'll have to pull up uh, the year and the map and take a look at the dates and, and do a little archive research. Unless someone uh, on the board, Michael, uh, can uh, put up that statistic of, uh, of, of the whatever Category 5 hurricane we had uh, in the month of November, that would be most helpful. And then he could be producing just like he used to do. I'm just looking here at uh, Mitch. Mitch, by the way, was... Uh was a storm that occurred in 1998. So that's that's a good long time ago, it was 22 years ago. But uh, I still remember it, you know, because it really did a number, again, on uh, on the Central American region. And uh, as you pointed out, Joe, Southwest Caribbean, probably one of the last places that would have warm enough water this late in the season to support a cat five. Right, make no mistake, by the way, this is, gonna, going, this is potentially gonna be catastrophic for that area. Uh, the the uh, Ada going in, and then they had days and days of heavy rain out of that. So uh, that that was bad enough. And now you're going to throw in a Category Five two weeks later on virtually the same spot uh, for landfall. I mean, that, how, what are the odds of that happening? No. Well, the same odds as what we had earlier in the season when we had not one but two hurricanes heading uh, toward the Gulf Coast at virtually the same time. Right, exactly. It's, it's been that type of year. There's a reconnaissance aircraft there at the moment checking it out. So uh, the they're finding a pressure. There was a 919 pressure. Then they measured a 920 pressure. 
probably about a half hour or 45 minutes later. And just looking at the wind barbs here, uh, they're in the range of 113 to 137 knots. So they're still getting absolutely clobbered with the uh, with the big with the big winds. So it's probably it's probably every bit of 155, 160 on the on the maximum sustained wind, and it is also getting very close to land now. So it's less than 60 miles away. Uh, the one thing that might slightly take the edge off here is that it is moving very slowly. If this were moving at 15 or 20 miles an hour. Uh, that would be really probably seriously problematic because you certainly would take this this thing inland uh, near its low pressure. But if it's crawling and it's it's a very small consolation, if it winds up weakening slightly before landfall, it's still going to come in as a, uh, a strong category four. And I've got the um, the actual aircraft observations on the plot. So they've the pressure looks like it was down on the first on the first measure. On the first pass, uh, as they, the plot said 919, so that kind of looks like where we, we are on this graph. And on the second plot, it looks like it's maybe a little higher, maybe about 920 or 921. Uh, top winds, 125 knots at flight level, somewhere around 115 knots, two 115 knot winds measured uh, at, um, uh, at the 10 meter wind. Uh, near the center. So that doesn't mean that there aren't stronger winds north and east of the center or east of the center. So uh, I'm, I'm imagining they're going to carry either 155 or 160 on the uh, on the latest advisory. And in fact, on the at 7 a.m. this morning, they were carrying 155. Uh, on the new advisory, they are still carrying 160. This is the seven o'clock uh, advisory, 13.683.0, moving west at nine. And yeah, top winds at uh, 160. It's it, it's just about on land here, so uh, making landfall right along the coast of Nicaragua. And unlike Ada, uh, this moves west and keeps going. So it does actually. They still have it, Joe. 1 a.m. Wednesday, moving into El Salvador, uh, the western part of El Salvador, near the border of right right along the border of Honduras, uh, as a tropical storm. So I'm wondering whether. The next, if, you know, keeps on going at that same rate, it's going to be back out into the Pacific. Uh, the Pacific this time of year is a little tough to warm things, uh, to to develop tropical systems. But you know what? It's 2020. Why not? I mean, who knows uh, what it does when it gets out there? Interestingly, but, the, thing that, the thing that's different, that Mitch, uh, Mitch actually ended up sweeping toward the southeastern United States and eventually uh, finished off up near Europe made that big swerving curve. This will not happen with, uh, with IOTA. And in fact, you know, I find it interesting that they, they stop, the Hurricane Center stops forecasting where the storm goes uh, after Wednesday. It's just, you know, I, I know it has to be uh, uh, some sort of an extra tropical system well, or something that will move into the Pacific Ocean. Well, hang on. Let, let's see if they might have mentioned it on their Pacific, uh, the Pacific Outlook. Let's see if they did. Uh, yeah, actually... No, they didn't. They have something out, way, you know, much further out to the west, near 110 west, forecasting that it could become a short-lived tropical depression, at about 15 north and about 110 west. But they make no mention here. That's the two-day, and yeah, on the five-day, they don't have it on the map yet. So, uh, I, I guess. And has this been updated for eight o'clock? I let me just take a look and make sure. Uh, hang on. 
Sometimes they update this stuff early. Uh, let's see. Although at this point, it's almost yeah, like... they've already updated this. So, uh, seven one days. A new area of low pressure could form in a couple of days over the central or southwestern Caribbean Sea. <laughs> Environmental conditions are conducive for some development. A forty percent chance. <laughs> doesn't stop does it i certainly i mean, here it is i got it i've been on the map they they do have the uh the orange area here so that's so they are looking at that and you know we've been saying over the last many days that uh, it's not out of the question that we still have the way the season's going you can't rule out the possibility that there might be uh, another uh tropical storm another named storm or maybe two named storms there's still plenty of time if it's a year like 2005 was, I mean that carried that carried on right past Christmas, when you had the last storm form right before New Year. So who's to say you can't have a, another couple of named storms between now and and the end of the year? No, I think I think it's good. we're still going to be going, and and the other thing that is a key, I think, to the fact that we're seeing storms this late in the season is the fact that the La Nina, Joe. Uh, from what I saw a little while ago in a, some sort of discussion, La Nina is now revved up. It is now being considered to be moderate to strong. This may be one of the stronger La Ninas in recent uh, years. And with all that cool Pacific water off of South America, you'd have to figure that uh, perhaps the way that the, uh, the Earth, Mother Earth, is getting rid of all of that excess heat, saying, no, I'm not going to try in the, let's, let's try the Atlantic. You know, the Atlantic is still you know, warm enough for me to let off my final bit of heat and steam, so to speak. Well, I, I just uh, I, I just put up the uh, Pacific <clears throat> sea surface temperature anomalies, and clearly, this is a, 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 a strong. I mean, this is a strong look in La Nina. You've got below normal ocean water temperatures off the entire west coast of South America, except right near the shelf as you go up toward the equator but it's all below normal there all across the tropical and uh, equatorial pacific uh, past the international dateline and uh, pointing a finger toward uh, indonesia so uh, it's and the rest of the pacific is on fire particularly the northern half of the pacific where we have you know some rather strong anomalies of three or more degrees above normal and with the exception of a small pocket of below normal temperatures south of Greenland and west of, of Ireland, the entire Atlantic uh, is showing much above normal temperatures, particularly, Joe, uh, from um, Virginia northeast to Newfoundland. That whole area that, that's near us showing uh, much above normal water temperatures, that's been the case for quite a while. It has, and... Uh... I think that's one of the reasons why we're, we've seen so much, so so much more in terms of uh, tropical storm activity or tropical cyclone activity in the Atlantic, as compared to the Pacific. I think that La Nina really is putting the kibosh on uh, very much activity. And uh, again, if the Earth wants to uh, get rid of the last of its uh, surplus heat that it built up over the tropics this season more likely it's going to do it in the Atlantic and not so much so the uh, Pacific. Now, Michael points out, by the way, Joe, that in 1932, there was a, uh, a the uh, 1932 Cuba hurricane was a Category 5 in the month of November. Now, that was, that's just, you know, based upon the observations that were made in 32, trying to fit 
the parameter or criteria of the Sanford Simpson scale, which did not exist right. back in 32. But uh, the assumption is okay. That uh, could have well, been. If the Hurricane Center says that, you know if they have it down in their records as a Cat Five, we can't really argue the point. No, I'm not going to argue that. No, 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 no. That happened. But when I said initially, I said I don't remember a Category Five in November. Uh, or, or something like anything right. like this, it, it, at least in my lifetime, I, I was not around in 1932. And no. Was, well, uh, okay. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that that's the case. Yes. <laughs> yes. We 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 we're slightly. We 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 don't go quite that far back. We go back to the we go back to the end of the Eisenhower administration. I vaguely remember growing up as a very young boy watching on our Philco TV and seeing. Uh, president Eisenhower, because he was the president, he was the man with with the bald head. I, in fact, right. I but I was I I I was born in '59, so that was toward I, the end. I, I don't have I don't have uh, memories that far back. I remember mentioning it to my mom. I said, "Is that Mr. Clean?" <laughs> which, which which in some ways people still think of President Eisenhower as Mr. Clean's. You know, in fact. People, even after he was, after his term as president finished, uh, I know, I, I remember listening uh, on YouTube, they had like phone conversations between uh, President Kennedy and President Eisenhower. And, you know, you, you'd say, you know, to the former president, Mr. President, but President Kennedy called him general. He said, well, general. <laughs> so <laughs> people still thought of him as more of the general than the president. The general. The general. The general. <laughs> <laughs> You are nothing but a private. Yes. <laughs> a lowly private. Oh, God. All right. So I got the U.S. satellite view up. There really isn't a whole lot happening uh, in the in the U.S. today. It's just uh, it's we're in one of those modes, I guess, when you get a day like yesterday with the severe weather we had. And now the atmosphere is, is pretty much uh, released uh, all its pain. <laughs> and uh, we've got uh, Fairly quiet conditions. The exception is up in the Pacific Northwest, where we do have uh, moisture coming in there. And I just want to bring up, uh, let's see, I didn't really get a chance to check out any kind of watches and warnings that are up. My suspicion is that there's probably not that many. Uh, out in the West, we do have some uh, high wind warnings up for and wind advisories for Southern Oregon and parts of Eastern, uh, Western California into Nevada in the mountains and, and winter storm warnings up in uh, the Sierra Nevadas uh, in California. And uh, other than that, it really is quiet across the rest of the United States. Uh, there's also, looks like those must be storm warnings that are up. Yeah, storm warnings up for the coast of Oregon in Southern Washington for an offshore Pacific storm that'll be moving uh, uh, eastward. And actually you see it here on the Canadian satellite view, uh, the uh, storm that is off the coast well to the west at the moment of Oregon and Washington, but it's fairly well defined here as it moves eastward, and that'll be crashing in over the next couple of days. And in the meantime, you see yesterday's storm moving up now up into northern Labrador with the trailing cold front that runs from Newfoundland out into the Atlantic. That was our our powerhouse that went through yesterday evening. And in the meantime, we just sit uh, rather quietly. Uh, high pressure is uh, not quite on the scene yet. Uh, give the chance for this map to load and update. 
we actually have another cold front coming through tomorrow, but that really isn't going to be doing very much. It might be. I, I threw in the chance that there could be a rain or maybe in inland areas in upstate New York. There's probably going to be a little bit of snow shower activity, some a little bit of lake effect going on. But uh, other than that, uh, it, it, it should be a non-event here as it goes by. And then we'll get into some rather cold air, I think, for Tuesday night, lasting into Thursday morning. I think actually, Joe, that the uh, even even though the five boroughs had a, I think, a freeze warning posted uh, a week or two ago, we never saw temperatures at Central Park drop below 32 or even uh, hit 32. I thought they I, got to 32. They did get to 32? I or? thought they did. I thought they did get to 32. Maybe not. Well, well uh, the point is that they will get to 32 this time. Well, tomorrow night, I think they're going to get to 30. And I think uh, by the time we get to Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday night, the temperature could actually drop, I think, in the city proper. Yeah, I, I think upper 20s. Cities. Yeah. And we're looking at, if that happens, if it gets down to, let's say, 29 in Central Park, that's going to be the coldest temperature that Central Park has had going all the way back to the 1st of March of uh, this uh, this year. It's been that so long. It's been seven and a half months. You know, I actually thought we were colder or had cold temperatures in April. And even when we had the snow in May, I thought we had, we were right around freezing. No, it, it actually has been that long. Uh, I think on March the 1st this year, the temperature at Central Park was 25. This will be the first time since then that we'll perhaps see temperatures Wednesday night, Thursday morning in the 20s in New York City. So coldest temperatures in about seven and a half months coming our way for the middle of this week. The uh, the shortwave trough that's going to be uh, coming through here tomorrow, you can see it on the satellite, on the radar. Uh, there's an area of uh, light precipitation moving across Lake Michigan into uh, uh, western, uh, the lower peninsula of Michigan and northern Indiana. Uh, and that really is about it as far as precip is concerned. Uh, some showers uh, showing up uh, off the, uh, the south coast of Florida, moving northeast to southwest. And up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, in northern northwesternmost Washington, there's an area of heavy rain uh, that is moving northeastward into southern Vancouver Island and moving northeast from there. Also seeing some precip up in northern Idaho, and that really is about it. The radar is about as quiet as it can be for this time of year. And checking out uh, the um, uh, snowfall probabilities here from WPC, they do have I, – I went for – I put the two-inch – greater than two inches. Uh, they have a rather high probability of that in a small area in Northwest PA, Southwestern New York, and then a small area in Central New York uh, where there's about a 50% chance of at least a couple. And this is over the next 72 hours, by the way. And then going out into the West where it, it, that's the one place where it is somewhat uh, bullish for some snow, uh, you're seeing some areas again in the mountains uh, where we're talking about, uh, I'll, I'll move it up to four out here. Uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 by by the standards of the West Coast, it's fairly minimal. Uh, you've got a few pockets where there's a high probability of at least four. Uh, it's got to be elevation driven. You see how it runs up and down from California on up uh, into uh, uh, Western Washington State, and that really is about it. And as far as storms are concerned. Uh, we're not going to see too much happening here, Joe. I just was looking at the, the rest of the week, 
and going into the weekend, uh, outside, the most exciting thing that's going to happen here in the East really is uh, probably some high clouds that might uh, show up when warmer air starts to arrive here, uh, maybe later on Thursday, and then for sure for Friday and into the weekend, because we are going to warm up again uh, this weekend, I think. Uh, the only thing that might put get in the way is if we, you know, this looks like this. This is the fact that I'm looking at something and thinking there's a little backdoor cold front that's dropping down from upstate New York Friday night into early Saturday that stalls overhead. That that is that's about as exciting as it gets. <laughs> really, I think the temperatures here this weekend, at least in the Hudson Valley where I am, temperatures are going to be once again by this weekend. 10 to 12 degrees above normal, Joe. Now we're not talking yeah. about we're not talking about 70s anymore, but we are talking about, and you know what? Even though I, I'm saying, you know, for for Saturday and Sunday locally, uh temperatures will be in the uh, low 60s. I mean, what did we see about, about a week or so ago? We were going for that basically the same story um in our area, and then all of a sudden it it went to mid sixties and upper sixty. What do we end right. up? But we did. But we did have a west wind for 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 ba the better part of five days. I don't think we're going to have that this time around. I think it'll be more southwest. Not, yeah. Not well, again, there's this little backdoor thing that on Friday night, Saturday, uh, where the wind actually the isobars. There's like there's two isobars with the, from the east with a high that's uh, in, in um, near Bangor, Maine. Uh, there is going to be uh, a low that with what the energy that's coming into the Pacific from the Pacific and into the Northwest, and you can see it here that eventually does translate eastward to the Rockies. There's a little low that develops late this week and on Saturday that produces a little bit of snow there in parts of Colorado, Wyoming. And, but it's not even cold enough for all snow. When you move up into Nebraska and Minnesota, there's some rain in the mix. That low goes up into Canada and there's our next cold front that comes through here next Monday with maybe a couple of showers. And Joe, the other thing is uh, off the Southeast coast, there is a bit of a wave, some sort of inverted trough that moves westward that the GFS has been occasionally firing it up into something. You can sort of see it here on the surface with the kinked isobars off the Florida coast next Sunday. Uh, that winds up just getting picked up and drawn out to the East. But you know what, since if, if that winds up spinning into a tropical depression, don't be shocked. Well, I'm not going to be shocked. I'm I'm, sho I'm already I'm already shell shocked by a Category Five storm in November. So right. Why would I be shocked if there was a measly tropical depression forming off the coast of Florida or somewhere north of the Bahamas? <laughs> now there are a couple of things in the long range because I, I I've been noticing lately uh, in the last especially in the last several days for whatever reason, maybe because the politics have, dro have dropped down, so I'm getting fewer political posts and more weather posts are being distributed by, uh, by Facebook. I don't know if that's the case, but uh, there's, there's been an absolute piling on, I mean, unrelenting piling on of people uh, in, in the weather world, some professional, some not, uh, you know, I welcome anyone's opinion, anyone's opinion. Uh, but uh, this piling on of, of the fact that this this is going to be a non-winter uh, because of the La Nina. And I would just again point out that that is only one of many factors. And I want to go back to the 
the uh, the stratosphere because I've been watching this over the last five days or so. And one of the interesting things that I'm pick I'm noticing, if we start off right now, the polar vortex is basically wrapped up like a ball. If you notice that uh, the extent of the darker blue uh, is pretty much trapped up in northern Canada, covers all of the Arctic region and Siberia. So that area, that's where all the cold air is. Okay, and there's no mechanism in the atmosphere, given the way the upper pattern is set up with the ridge, a semi, what seems like a semi-permanent ridge off the southeast coast. Um, you, just, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to have much luck bringing cold air down, and if there's a trough in the west, even more so. But one of the things I'm noticing, Joe, is that the vortex, and this goes back to something that. Um, our uh, uh, Jim Witt was was talking about with the uh, with the uh, the the upper air and what Larry Cosgrove was mentioning about the fact that the strat the the, the polar vortex in the stratosphere when it's pinned back over Siberia or if it goes into Northwest Canada that really doesn't do any good for weather in the Northeast. However. The GFS has been kind of insistent lately that as we get later into the forecast period, as we get toward the very end of the month and to the very beginning of December, that that upper low rotates and starts to migrate out into the Arctic Ocean and pushing toward northern Greenland and northern the, the eastern side of northern Canada. Now, if it, whether it verifies or not, I don't know. Uh, but uh, just looking at that happening... Um, leads me to think that that uh, there may be something there might be something there uh, down the road when we get into December uh, at some point to look at even in the warmest patterns you usually do get a little bit of a window of opportunity but I'm going to keep an eye on this I've been watching this for the last week or so and I want to see if this trend continues as we get uh, as we get closer because this is a little bit of a different look up in the stratosphere and oftentimes joe what happens up there takes about a week or two to translate translate down here down at the surface assuming it does because sometimes it doesn't uh but we'll see i mean there's nothing much else for us to look at so we might as well uh look up where planes fly well uh i'm thinking that we're going to have uh near or above normal temperatures and this is the question i was asking about a week or 10 days ago about what people would prefer. Would they prefer a cold, you know, flat out through the entire winter, cold temperatures and on and off periods of light and occasionally a moderate snowfall? Or would you like to have one big boom, one, one major storm that might drop 10 or 15 or even 18 inches of snow in one sitting? I, I honestly believe, Joe, I think we're looking at that kind of a winter coming up where it's going to be unseasonably mild for a while. And then all of a sudden we're going to flip and into February, we will have uh, a shot at getting uh, our, our one big storm for the winter season and maybe a couple of minor ones as we move into March. But I, I think we're headed for that type of a winter as opposed to, uh, um, you know, a winter where it's like uniformly cold and snowy on and off through the through the period. And that'll make and I, I you know, you get if you do get like a foot or more of snow in one sitting, even if we haven't had anything up until that time of significance, that'll make a lot of people still happy, or at least it'll be a it'll be a, a brief thrill for all of you snow lovers out there. But I think that's what we're I think that's what we're going to be heading for. Uh, we'll we'll have to wait probably until February to get it, but uh, we'll see how this all pans out. I brought up yeah. the I brought up the CFS 
uh, climate model, just to give you a perspective of temperatures, which at the moment, uh, in the week that we are in from today through the next seven days, uh, we're looking at much above normal temperatures throughout much of the Arctic region into Siberia. So whatever's going on in the stratosphere may not necessarily be translating down relative to normal in those areas. It's actually below normal over a good chunk of Canada, except for the for Eastern Canada. And of course, all of the US is uh, above normal. Asia uh, is Central and Southern Asia uh, show is where the well below normal temperatures are. And as we move through the next six weeks, the um, above normal just pretty much stays in control over the US uh, right through the, uh, the forecast period. And the, the climate models go out six weeks. So this takes us right until the end of December. So we've already taken the whole first month of winter. It hasn't even arrived. December has, it still doesn't arrive for another 15 days. And we've already wiped the entire month out for winter weather lovers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm still looking. Which, which, who, who'll be the first person on the chat board to throw the white towel in? <laughs> uh, look, I'm just going to tell you that, I mean, I'm just going to say again, uh, it's long range and we've been, we've been, we've seen it happen before where we think we're going into one sort of pattern and then it winds up being something else. So I, I wouldn't, uh, yeah, I mean, the models are going to show whatever they're going to show, but I could think back to last year, Joe, there were several times where the climate models were showing it turning cold and, and going below normal for a, a relatively long stretch, and it just never happened. So there's nothing that says that the the, uh, the errors can't be the same here in the other direction. It, it, I don't know. I just think there's just too much variability in the long range to put a whole lot of faith in it. And it's not fun. What is the fun of of convincing yourself now that there isn't going to be any snow of consequence. What does what good does that do you? You have to go through the whole three months of winter anyhow. You might as well have a little bit of hope. Well, yesterday was the two-year anniversary of our uh, mid-November surprise of, 20, of 2018. Last year, we had a humongous snow for upstate New York. I know Tim Boltman remembers 22 inches of snow December 1st and 2nd, and parts of the Hudson Valley picked up over a foot. Who, maybe say if you're going to like 15 day increments, maybe we'll have a surprise on December 15th of this year. Although it doesn't look like it because I've been looking at the Climate Prediction Center forecasts and they've been just saying warm, 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 warm. They had 70% chance or 70% probability of above normal temperatures in the central part of the country. Right. Up until the 11th of December. I mean, that's, you know, it, it, when they stick their necks out that far, three to four weeks in advance with a 70% probability, they must be pretty confident that uh, it's going to be, it's going to be warm. <laughs> uh, Flood Weather says, do I, do, do I think that they're the uh, so-called climate models have a warm bias? I, I don't know if they have a warm bias or not, but they do have a persistence bias. In other words, they certainly play the game of the trend is your friend. So if we're in one of these stretches where the pattern looks like it's locked in and 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 warm, it's going to keep showing that until it it doesn't. Uh, so that's that's another thing to bear in mind. Uh, a lot of time there's a lot of persistence uh, that is uh, built into the, the into some of these models. As I said, the trend is being your friend. So um, 
just remember when you're looking at it and you're seeing above normal temperatures as far as the eye can see. Bill Rogers um, wants to know, wants to know Joe if you are going to issue a long range forecast for the winter for Vermont. For Vermont? Yes, where there are no um, where there are Stewarts but no billboards. That's a funny thing. For 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 a number of years when I was working at a private weather service, I used to do the weather for the Vermont Department of Transportation. I forget the gentleman's name, but he always took. It didn't matter if it was going to be three feet of snow coming. He'd say, well, that's Vermont weather. <laughs> uh, I would think that whatever whatever I just said for, for, for the Tri-State area probably would hold true for Vermont as well. Milder than normal temperatures. And I think uh, February is going to be the month. If we, if we do have a month for snow, then February will be the month. And we'll... Uh, We'll just play it by ear and see how it, how it all pans out. Adam Lowe says it will it will snow this winter, but many storms will be slop storms, snow to rain. Okay, well, that's that's even in the best of winters. Sometimes with the best of weather patterns, a lot of them are are are, are that way. Uh, I, I look, I I don't know honestly. I don't know. Um, you know what, Joe? I just realized we're never going to see any big snowstorms in the New York tri-state metropolitan area. For as long as you and I live, you want to know why? Why? Because we don't work for a television station anymore. Right. <laughs> exactly. We don't exactly. To, we don't have to commute. We don't have to. Right. So let's arrange for us to let. We have to arrange for us to commute somewhere on a regular right. basis. You remember? You remember those days? You you'd get a big snowstorm, would be right smack in the middle, and the phone would ring, and it's like, we need you. Come on in. <laughs> you know, that's. People think it's a lot of fun being a TV, you know, personality or whatever like that. Not in situations like that. Uh, and believe me, Joe and I together, we put up with enough of that. So now, Joe, that we don't have to deal with that anymore and we don't have to worry about that. That's why we're not going to see any big snowstorms for the rest of our right. life. Jimmy132 says, uh, uh, I, I depend on the snow to pay my bills. I'm a, a landscaper and, and a snow removal guy. I, I listen. I, I hear you, Jimmy. I got a lot of guys that I work with during the winter months that are uh, snow removal uh, is is their business. So they're not happy uh, when when uh, when it doesn't snow, particularly if they bought a ton of of uh, snow melt and they don't get to use it. So uh, they they want some snowstorms out there. Uh, so that they could, uh, you know, make their money during the winter time. So I totally get it. Believe me. But we'll we'll make sure that they'll be able to use maybe in February they'll be able to use some of that good old fashioned rock salt that you can only get at Omni. Omni True Value Hardware. That's right. At twelve uh, twelve twenty six North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York. We're not finishing the show yet because I actually have a um, I have a rant, a, a short rant. Maybe oh, it'll turn into okay. a long one. Uh, do you, Joe? I, I, I am, a, I am a firm believer in the law of unintended consequences. Are you a believer in the law of unintended consequences? I only know. In other words, you do something. You know, some, you do something that you that you you expect a certain outcome, and it's a good outcome, but you don't uh, take into account that it maybe creates a problem someplace else. I, I'm not. No, I'm, 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 uh, you'd have to go. Well, I mean, it happens in, poli it happens in the real world all the time. You know, they, they, they pass a law that's a, that's a, that's supposed to accomplish one thing and it creates a problem for something else. Yeah. Okay. So that's the law of unintended consequences. You, right. you kind of, you know, you go out there, you try to do something good and 
something negative comes out of it because and you didn't and you didn't realize that that was a, a potential. Well, no good. Well, one no of good the goes unpunished. Right. Exactly. No good okay. deed goes unpunished. So okay. along those lines, I have been thinking for weeks that one of the big upsides about the environment that we have been in for the last uh, seven or eight months uh, between the, you know, the pandemic and, and, uh, and, and, and the uh, uh, lockdown, no lockdown, that kind of thing. And of course, all the drama surrounding the election. One of the things that I've noticed is that the uh, post, the, some of the folks who comment on our YouTube videos, they don't necessarily watch the show, or maybe they do watch the show, but then they comment on the YouTube videos, the uh, geoengineering um, uh, folks, you know, you know the ones. Uh, well, they disappeared completely for the last six or seven months uh, over this because they were just kind of onto all sorts of other conspiracy theories. Well, now that the election has come and gone, uh, guess what? Uh, they started reappearing again. Uh, and I'm just going to say, and I'm going to say this really nicely. Uh, I left a couple of responses to a few folks about it, uh, but uh, maybe the responses were not quite, you know, there was a little sarcasm in those responses. I will just say, look, we're just not interested. So if you're, if you think you're giving us information that you only have, um, uh, we don't really want to hear it. On the other hand, we could just publicly admit that Joe and I are on the payroll and we get checks every month from the secret people in the, with the dark sunglasses in the federal government on a regular basis to make to uh, deny all this stuff. So you could think either way. Um, if you want to take it positive, you could just take my message about we're not interested um, and go from there. Or you can wrap it up that we're all that, that Joe and I are part of this vast conspiracy uh, and uh, we're paid money by the by, by the, the, the secret people the secret organizations and government and around the country we're on everybody's payroll okay that's why we wear you know really classy hoodies and sweaters because you know we're getting we're getting checks on a regular basis all right well, you know if if you think I'm not a snow lover I mean look at this what could be more wintry than a than a shirt like this, Joe. Oh, that's classy. That's you know that's that's winter, and uh, maybe it'll, maybe it'll help uh, <laughs> in the coming day. Well, I mean, I just put it on today, and what happened? Next couple of days is going to get really cold. So I'll put this on whenever I whenever you folks want cold and snow, ask me to put on my magic shirt with the with the big. Uh, is that, right. is that a deer or an elk? I, I'm not even sure anymore. Yeah. Um, now you can't you you can't find the um, the questions for tonight, correct? I got the questions. Oh, you got them. Oh, so I we are them. going to have Briller Jeopardy tonight. The chairman uh, has sent his questions, and uh, I'm sitting in the. Uh, I if I say the secret void, I win a hundred dollars. It is it is a Thanksgiving theme. I know Thanksgiving is not this week, but next week, but. Scott wanted to get Thriller Jeopardy, a Thanksgiving-style um, theme, a bit early. Okay. Year. So the category is Thanksgiving in Central Park. Okay. Are you ready for question one? There are four questions here. Okay, go ahead, shoot. So question number one, what was the biggest snowfall on Thanksgiving at Central Park? Okay, so wasn't it that that 
snowstorm that you told you talk about with your grandfather? Was it 1938 or something? Oh, that's, that, that kind of falls a little short of that. I'll give you a hint. You and I have lived through this, the biggest snowfall on Thanksgiving. Well, not the, was it not the 1989 one? This is according to Mr. Briller. Okay, so maybe that was the one, yeah. I had eight inches out, on, out of that on Long Island, so. And right. then I got down to 11 degrees on um, uh, for the Friday morning. And by afternoon, it was in the yeah. mid-50s. And you want to know something? You know how I remember that? Because guess who was filling in for you at News 12 Long Island? You were. Yes. Yes. Well, I was stuck at home. Look, that was at least one storm I didn't have to drive. Well, I sort of did have to drive in because we had no food for Thanksgiving. We were supposed to go to to see relatives. Um, But um, as it turned out, so I had to find an open supermarket. um, uh, And so I actually had to go out and you know drive but that was just a relatively short distance and most people were off the roads anyhow well the the, the official amount of central park according to the chairman 4.4 inches 1989 and yes i worked for you the following morning at news 12 long island and guess who I'm, my anchor was that morning i my my news the, the news anchor was mm-hmm. um it wasn't it wasn't lee and it wasn't carol it was somebody else I'll give you a hint. It wasn't Moskowitz. No, it was uh, Joe, no. Joe Moskowitz was not doing doing the the news that morning. Was it Was it Patty Ann Brown? No, she was at. Uh, uh, she now is at uh, Spectrum, uh, New York One. Aroma Tory. Roma Tory. Roma Tory. God bless her. So well, we Roma, wish her well. Roma Tory and Joe Rayo frozen on the morning after Thanksgiving, 1989. All right. Question number two. What was the warmest? Thanksgiving Day at Central Park. Did I live in this Thanksgiving Day? No, not, and neither did I. So then it was like a million years ago. So it was prior to the the Category 5 hurricane in Cuba in 1932. Yeah, it was. All right. <laughs> um, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll just take a guess and I'll say uh, 1905. 1920, 72, room temperature, 72 degrees. Okay. That was yeah. actually lower than it was on Christmas Eve that year. Um, you know, whatever it was. Um, yeah. uh, 2016, 2015, December of 15. All right, go ahead. What's the next one? Question three, what was the coldest morning low on Thanksgiving? The coldest morning low? Yes. I'll tell you what. And that was in our lifetime, I think, this right? Goes, this goes way, way, way back. Way back. All right, then I'll, I'll, I'll guess maybe it was like in 1887. Um, even way further back than that. 1869. Not quite that far back. During the the Ulysses S. Grant administration. You know what we should do? We should play this like the clock game on. on oh, higher, lower, higher, higher lower. <laughs> Oh, the, 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 18, yeah, 1871. 1871. On Thanksgiving morning. Okay. Were we celebrating Thanksgiving? Yeah, I guess we were. Yeah. 1871. Mm-hmm. All right. It was that, that goes so far back, by the way, that rainbows were in black and white at that time. Was it, uh, Yes. Was there, um, the, that was three questions, right? Um, was there no, enough? Question, said, well, wait a minute. Um, it was 15 in 1871, and then he actually gives a, a second 
second place, not tied with 15, but a couple of degrees warmer, 17. Coldest morning low on Thanksgiving. What year was that? Wasn't that, re didn't we have a cold Thanksgiving morning recently, relatively recently? Yeah, relatively recently, Joe, yes. Like 20, I don't know, 2013? 2018. 2018, okay. Yeah. And finally, the four, uh, question four, what was the warmest Thanksgiving since 2000? I don't know. I have no idea. 2007, 66 degrees. Okay. So there you go. So on the chat board, United Heretic Rising General's Constitutional Keys, um, in response to what I uh, was ranting about with regards to um, you know, the weather manipulators, not trying to stir the pot, he says, I'm just asking that we consider all the variables in the equation that make weather, not looking for an argument. Okay, I appreciate that. So I'm just going to just tell you that, um, you know, Joe and I, all we do is we look at media, you know, we look at our meteorology, we look at our weather maps, and we look at our weather models, and that's what we do. Um, we don't take, we don't deal with uh, other things that are, I would not consider science. Okay. So it's not part of the, um, it's not part of the weather equation that goes in, into, into how we make our forecasts. Uh, so we just kind of leave it at that. You know, we do weather on this channel. We don't really do other things like that. There are channels that do that sort of stuff and that's fine. You know, everybody can do whatever they want. That's what, uh, that's what the internet is about, but uh, that's not what we're about. So I, I'm, I'm trying to be nice about it. I think that I think I'm being nice about it. That's a nice response, right, Joe? Am I being? My, I'm being nice. I don't mean any any malice from what I said. Uh, it's just that that's not what we do. No, we don't do that. No. Mike Mike Cole Clow writes, Joe and Joe are the co-leaders of the geoengineering. And their sweatshirts have special foil linings <laughs> that make them from being remotely controlled. And those sweatshirts uh, convert into hats. <laughs> of the tin foil variety? The tin foil variety. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, um, I watched, I, and I'm sure you were glued to your set. So was I, because I wanted to see if they were going to run my tweet last night on, on, uh, on the Discovery Channel. Uh, but I watched the launch of the of space the SpaceX uh, rocket. That was, that was pretty cool. That is that's always exciting to watch uh, something like that, uh, especially since uh, you know the, the, those uh, spacesuits are quite a bit different from the ones we grew up with. Oh yeah, they look like they were done by uh, Sergio Valente. I was going to say yeah, they probably have a label. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it was uh, it was really exciting to watch. I hadn't honestly, it's been so many years since I even watched one of those things, uh, except for when um, you know you would see uh, you know I might see it on a news that they would run a you know run some video of it. That's but I never I, I never really took the time to watch them go off live. What makes it and, unique compared to all the other missions and all the other launches that we've watched in our lifetime is that now SpaceX is actually return. I mean, the rocket that launches the uh, the capsule into space then turns around and comes back, and you can actually watch it land. That's 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 incredible to me. That is really and what what the one that landed last night will be uh, will be uh, reused. It'll be ready for the next launch in about six months. 
Uh, Adam Lowe says, I cannot believe every weather blogger, professional, long-range forecaster, and models all agree on a blowtorch winter. Adam, this is why I have been saying now for several weeks that the more they, the more everybody piles on to that side, the more I want to take the other side of that trade. So I, I, um, I'm not a long-range forecaster. Uh, it, I've, I've said many times uh, after unsuccessful attempts, I have a very, very difficult time getting my head around it. If it's inside two or three weeks, I can figure it out. Um, sometimes I'm, I, 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 I'm close. Sometimes I'm not so close. But anything beyond that, I have, honestly, I really just don't have a feel for it. So uh, again, if everybody is, um, if everybody is uh, on one side of the trade, I have often, I have learned in my life experience that that is a time to sort of take a step back and look around and see if, if uh, they're missing something. Uh, the madness of crowds, basically. Try to avoid them. Um, uh, so, that, so that's, that's I, 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 I understand your sentiment. And uh, United, uh, her heretics, rising generals, constitutional key says, understood, Joe, there's plenty here to be admired, be admired as it is. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, the, uh, and um, I appreciate, I, I'm glad that you understand my position, or our position. So thank you very much. And I'm, we're happy you are here. Uh, Long name, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's actually kind of cool. I have to squint to see it because the, uh, the chat board I have, the uh, writing is very, Small, so when is. it's long, I have to really squint to see it. <laughs> so anyway, do I, um, do I to... use analogs? Samanda Samanda Mott says, do, or asks, do I use analogs? I look at analogs sometimes. I think they're they 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 are useful sometimes. I and I remember, I could remember. I, I look at a pattern sometimes. I say, I remember this. Like for example, what we just went through last week with the abnormally warm or mild temperatures, I remember a very similar setup like that back in 1975. That's 45 years ago, but this is how my, my mind is weird. It's like a strange Rolodex in my head. And well, then was, that mine used to be that way, but then, you know, age, age has set in and it doesn't quite function as well as it used to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I used to be the same way. Uh, would remember every storm, uh, the dates, the circumstances, but it's gotten, it's getting fuzzy now. Sometimes I can't even remember what the weather was like, you know, just a few days ago. Matt Case says, want to talk about the meteor shower, Joe Rayo. I know what you're alluding to, Matt, and tonight is the night. Actually, tomorrow morning is the morning of the Leonid meteor shower, but the Leonids are over overpriced, so to speak. Everybody is thinking back to the beginning of this century, back in 1999, 2000, 2001, when the comet that produced that meteor shower was close by, and we were getting um, meteors coming at the rate of hundreds or even thousands per hour. The Leonids are not like that now because the comet is nowhere to be found in our vicinity. If you want to get up tomorrow morning, if the sky is clear, stand outside. You may have to wait 10 or 15 minutes, but you'll see a very ultra swift or very rapid meteor shooting out of the constellation of Leo, you might get a handful of meteors tomorrow morning. Really, it's not worth it if you don't like chilly weather and getting up at those godforsaken hours. But next month, next month, we have a real treat in terms of meteor showers. We have the Geminid shower 
on December 13th. That will produce quite a bit of meteor activity and some of them will be very bright and we'll get more into that uh, as we get closer to that event. That is the shower to look forward to. But if you wanna get up and look around tomorrow morning, I, I'm gonna be watching the Inside the Islet show. I do not intend to get up to watch for you know two or three or five shooting stars in the course of an hour from the Leonids. But yeah, you're not doing that. Uh, Bill Rogers, uh, you, you, I saw your, your comment on uh, YouTube of, uh, about uh, when, when am I going to do a, a, another cooking video? Because uh, you want me to show you how to make sauce, um, Sunday sauce. Uh, now, let me just, let me just uh, tell you that uh, I, I made it a couple of weeks ago, and it was so good that I had a lot of leftover sauce. And so I've been using it as basically a starter. So I, I, I've got to wait till I've got nothing left. And uh, then uh, I can uh, start it, start one from scratch. So sometime in the next couple of weeks, I will, I promise, the next time I make, uh, well, I, we called it, my house was called either salsa or ragu. Because um, uh, in Italian, uh, when you make sauce that's got meat in it, it's actually called ragu. Not that, you know, the that abomination you buy at the supermarket. Um, so... Um, but when I do make it again, I will record it and I will put it up on YouTube. I do have a couple of cooking videos up there of stuff that I've, I've, I've made. Um, I think there's one with chicken thighs, one with ribs and maybe steaks. I forget. So, um, but I promise I, w I will do it. And my sauce was damn good. I have to tell you. What, what do you, you probably remember this commercial. I don't remember the brand name. I don't know if it was Ronzoni, Butoni. But they ran this commercial about, about more years than you and I care to remember, where the chef is talking to the head of the company, and he says, we put this in our sauce and that in our sauce. And then he says, we put more marinara in our marinara sauce. Yeah, I, that, that rings a bell. I don't remember the, what brand that was. And the, I and can the, tell you this. It was nothing I ever had in my house. <laughs> and the, the head of the company looks at the chef and says, what do you mean more marinara? in our marinara sauce. And the chef goes, marinara. <sighs> it's marinara. And he says, and he says, the president says, next time you tell me the good news, call me up on the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, mine has a lot of garlic in it. Yes. Uh, I will, look, I'll, I'll leave you with this. If you're going to make, uh, if you're going to make sauce, all right, um, you want to use, I, I, I go, when I, make my sauce uh i uh, i start with some olive oil and some garlic chopped up uh unless i'm really lazy uh and then i'll cheat and use the granulated garlic i know it's that's like a sin but sometimes i just don't have any garlic around or i don't feel like going to the store but uh in that in the pot so you put a little oil a little garlic uh on a low flame you get the garlic going. Then you take your meats, okay? Now, um, I use uh, pork spare ribs. Uh, I use short ribs. And I might make meatballs, which is a whole separate ordeal. because it's a, it's a, That's a complicated recipe. But you can do it without meatballs. But, you know, get, get a mix of meats. Pork, uh, short ribs are great. If you can find, like, really thick short, short ribs. Or if you go to Costco... They have uh, short, boneless short ribs that are like almost like steak strips. And I bought them when I saw them a couple of weeks ago. They were outstanding. I made braised short ribs with them in the in the in the, um, 
in the stoneware that I have. So, uh, but you could use that. Uh, let's so and also uh, get 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 a one piece of lamb, uh, maybe a, a lamb shoulder chop, because uh, that gives it a little bit of a, a different flavor to it to the to the sauce you're making. You brown your meat in your big pot before you put any tomatoes in there. So you brown your meat in the big pot. Um, you 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 know you just want to brown both sides just to sear it. And then when you have all your meat browned, uh, in my big pot, I use, I buy um, two cans of peeled tomatoes. One of those cans is San Marzano tomatoes, which are very, very, they're imported. They're a little more expensive and they're very sweet. They're really very good. So I get the Italian brand peeled tomatoes, the big cans. I always buy four, I always try to get uh, each can a diff, as a different brand. Because uh, sometimes you could get stuck with, uh, with a, a lot where they're all bitter. So you don't want to have to deal with that. So if you mix the brands up, you, you're bound to, if you got one of those cans where the tomatoes are a little bitter, they'll be offset by the other ones. And you got the San Marzano's anyway. So you got two cans of peeled tomatoes, two cans of tomato puree. So you put that all in there. And then you bring it to a boil. A full, let it boil on very low flame. So slowly bring it up to a boil for about an hour and a half. And then you just let it sit there. You turn the flame off, you let it sit there for a couple of hours to just kind of absorb it, everything. And uh, add a couple, add a bay leaf in there, throw in some basil if you've got it. Um, you know, that, that, that'll, you get, you'll get a pretty good sauce out of that if you just follow those basics. But I promise I will. Uh, I'll do that uh, the next the next time I make sauce on Sunday. I'll video. I'll I'll record it. And watch out, Martha Stewart and uh, the folks at Cook Country. You ever see those well, uh, those shows? Cook's Country I, or um, American I, America's Test Kitchen? That I see. America's Test Kitchen. I watch from time to time. Yeah. Um, uh, I I, I love uh, the Barefoot Contessa. I love her recipes. They're very good. All right. And Very you, good. you know, you are an expert at making a ham sandwich. I'm an expert at making a ham sandwich, absolutely. Right. Water you, and, you and Fred Mertz, that's the only thing you know how to cook. Rick B. says, Joe R., do I listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson? Rick B., Neil deGrasse Tyson is my boss at the Hayden Planetarium. I've known Neil since uh, the mid-90s, and he and I have an agreement. I tell people he's the world's greatest astrophysicist. Uh, and he tells people, if you need to know anything about where the planets or an eclipse or the comets are going to be, you can't miss by going to Joe Rayo. So we had this mutual respect for each other. We've known each other for many, many years. And I've known Neil before he became the big star that he is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, is he coming on the show anytime soon? Would you like to? I, I don't know if he would say yes or no. I'll, I'll ask him. Ask him. I'll ask him. Yeah. Ask him. That would be. Could you imagine if we did that? If he if he accepted, that would be that would be unbelievable. That that Joe. If if we said Neil deGrasse Tyson was going to appear on Joe and Joe, I, I'll bet you we we would have we would we would have like exponential numbers suddenly of people coming coming online to view and being part and answer. To ask him questions on our chat. Oh, listen, you, you, you know, tell, ask him. 
I will ask him. We'll be gentle. I mean, we have to social distance anyway, so you could do it on Zoom. That's absolutely. But he probably would come back and say something like this: well, "What do I know about weather?" Actually, he does. He does know some. But stuff. we have a lot of fo- folks. Uh, you know, a lot of our audience loves when you talk. You know, you you talk about the astronomy stuff. So uh, yep. I'm sure there's. You know, there there will be interest in that. Yep. All yep. right. So we'll we'll wrap it up for tonight. I guess we will. And um, we are going to be, of course, back uh, at this time uh, tomorrow night uh, for uh, the uh, Joe and Joe Weather Show. And, well, you know, why wouldn't we be? We try to come uh, be here five days a week at least. And when weather is busy, we'll do a sixth. And the Joe and Joe Weather Show brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware, Long Island's largest rock salt provider. Uh, 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York, 631-756-1125. They're actually just north of the Southern State Parkway, so they're very easy to find. Uh, Wellwood Avenue is a main drag. Uh, 631-756-1125 or go to the website omnitruevalue.com. So uh, we'll see you tomorrow night, Mr. Rayo. We'll be here. We're not going anywhere. I'm going to sit right in this chair. And wait until tomorrow night at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time when we will be back on the air with Joe and Joe. Just get Mrs. Rayo to dust you if you're going to sit in that chair for the next 24 hours. True. Yes. All right. So uh, send her my best and we will uh, we'll see.